0: I'm reading this morning from 2nd Corinthians chapter 5. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, We groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident And know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad.
1: Good morning. Winston Churchill, who was the former British prime minister, he made some specific arrangements for his funeral services. And he asked that it would begin with the playing of taps, the military... Trumpet that would play at the end of the day, or at the end of life. But he also made some other arrangements in his service, and while it was over, as everything was wrapped up, Reveille was played. And he specifically wanted that: that beautiful, powerful trumpet that would blow. The stirring that calls and awakens the troops. A new day has arisen. Thessalonians 4 says, I do not want you to be unaware, dear brothers and sisters, about those who have fallen asleep, about those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then after that, we who are still alive are left, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds and we will meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And therefore, the scripture says, encourage one another with these words about our Lord. Let's pray. Father, I just pray this morning in this uh, beautiful season that uh, there's lots of joy and lots of reflection, and as as we think about Advent, about love, how much you love us, that you sent your Son on the cross to die for our sin, that those who should believe upon you, Jesus, should have life, eternal life, And so this little babe that we reflect upon became the Savior of the world. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for the hope that we have that those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in you, in a relationship with you, have life everlasting with you in eternity. This is our hope. Our certain hope. And I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit will minister to this body. Again, we've we've suffered together a lot of loss. And a lot of grieving. And there are those who are uh, in deep mourning, and we grieve with them. But we thank you for the promises of your scripture. Would you use your word and the power of your spirit this morning to minister to us? In your precious name, amen. Well, Paul is going to blast a trumpet this morning in chapter 5. How to live a new covenant life of faith. Especially when we deal with death, when we deal with eternity, when we deal with what does it look like for us when we die? What's the hope that we have? And Paul is going to acknowledge death and taps will be played, but his tone will quickly change and Reveille is going to sound loudly throughout this chapel, throughout this chapter. And look what he says. For we know that if this earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, and the way that the language is set out, and it will be, by the way, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. This earthly tent, our earthly bodies, Paul is painting a picture of that for us. And so I just wanted to think about <clears throat> what it means to, uh, to live in a tent and what it means to camp. And so just give me one second here. You've probably always wondered what's in these back rooms. Uh-oh, where did my tent go? Oh, here it is. And I actually need I need a I need a little bit of help from Tom, why don't you come on up? Laura, come on up here, help me out. JB, where are you at? Come on up. Come we'll get some of the Alexanders and Swansons. Now, the thing about camping, tent camping, is it takes a lot of prep time. And I'm always amazed when I hear people talk. If you could get that stick set up. You could get those sticks set up. And they go in, the sticks go into the edge and they arch into the middle. You know, we we think about these earthly bodies of ours. And and Paul is painting this picture of this, this is our life. This is our earthly bodies here on earth. And this tent formation. And you know, I it's always interesting to me. I talk to people and, and they're they, they bring back all these memories about their, their camping experience and all these, all these stories that they share. And, and they, they say it with all this delight, but as they're sharing their story, I'm like, that was an awful experience you had. <laughs> and what is it that we seem to, to find? Actually, JB, it goes like this. <laughs> Give me these. And this is the problem with these earthly bodies. They're confusing. So it sticks right into the end, and it arches up in the middle, There we go. And then there is in the middle a little straps that will tie those two pieces together. Let's bring that up. Now, as I opened this up last night, and I'm sure you've had these experiences, this thing stunk to high heaven. (laughs) And clip those on, if you would, on the sides. And... You know, I always think about about my camping, and I really don't like to uh, tent camp, uh, really, at all. <laughs> people, when I moved to Idaho, people tried to get me involved in this whole thing. And uh, if I'm a California surf boy, you know, played beach volleyball and all that. Thank you so much. Give them a hand. They did a nice job. <laughs> <show. clears throat> you know, the other thing, the other thing that's amazing that... I was reminded of it in, in this picture that Paul paints for us. Is this is it? This is life in this earthly body, and and it's you know it's stinky again. It's a, it's a lot of work, and then like Adrienne said this morning, uh, it's zero degrees outside. <laughs> and we live in this. We live in this. And. What's the truth, what's the truth about, about a tent? What's Paul trying to tell us about this? Yeah, right? It's absolutely temporary. It's something that wasn't intended to last, to, to keep us from the elements. The reality is we know, you know that in this tent, uh, it's cold. It's kind of awful. I, I just want a show of hands for all of you who have had these wonderful... Uh, camping experiences, how many have experienced the leaky tent? Yeah, right? Oh, such a good time! Unbelievable. And here's the thing that I that I find just really fascinating amidst the elements that we face, is praise the Lord that in the middle uh, of this bag that I found, oops, which has a knot here that is tight, well, in this little bag, and praise God, because we really, we really know that this will help this tent. We have stakes. <laughs> this is going to hold us firm. That when the winds come, oh, no worries whatsoever, because I have this plastic yellow stake. It's my foundation. And, and praise God in this tent... That when the bears come, I'm sure they're not going to be able to rip through that sucker. <laughs> Keenan and I always say we like to go cabining. That's what we like to do. You know, it's, it's what is temporary. And Paul really wants to make that very clear about who we are. Living in the new covenant, which means living in the adequacy of Christ alone recognizing that we we are, like Jackson taught a while, we're broken vessels, we're weak, we're dependent, but that Christ is living his life out through us. But as we face death, the reality of death, and these broken bodies of ours that are just, you know, a mess, he's saying it's just like this. And Paul was a tent maker. He knew tents very well. He knew they're leaky, he knew they're smelly, They don't keep out all the elements. They're not meant to last forever. Tents are fun to camp in, but they're not home. They're not home. And if you're like me and sat in the middle of one of these tents during the middle of a rainstorm, the only thing you were saying is, I want to be home. (laughs) I want to be home. That's a picture I don't want you to miss that Paul is giving us this morning. This is temporary. One day, this earthly tent will be set aside. It will be destroyed. And we will have a home, a building from God. It says we know, you've got to understand, Paul is, is saying with all certainty, here's what we know about our future, about our life with Christ when we die. Here's what we know about eternity with our Lord. We know for certain the promises of God. And these promises give us hope. We know that when this tent is, the stakes are taken up. When it's destroyed. We know that we have a building, a home with God. We have an eternal body that will dwell in the presence of God forever. You can be sure of it. It's not made, look what the scriptures say, not made with human hands. This isn't something that we can do in and of ourselves. And this again is the whole idea of, of, of new covenant. Wow, well, we think that we can do all this and make this, this body that's going to be perfect before God. He's like, it's nothing you do. It's something that I, I I'm doing and I've done. I have this house that I've built for you this eternal body, and it will be eternal, and it will be in a heaven. It lasts forever. So don't get so stuck in thinking this tent is all we got. And so we praise God that we know that we have an eternal home. And Paul's making a, a strong contrast between the spirit and the body, reminding us That we are spiritual people. We are spirit. You know, that's so obvious, and a lot of us have grieved over these last months with some dear friends. And some have had open casket. And there's nothing more clear to us that we are spirit. That when you walk up to an open casket and you look at this shell, you look at this tent, and you go, that's not that person. That's not the person that I knew. It's not them. Because we're spirit. That shell in there is this broken tent. And God has so much more for us. When we die, when this tent's taken up, because of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and our belief in him, we will have eternal life in a resurrected body before the presence of God forever. That's the hope of Christmas. That's the love of God at Christmas. But meanwhile, while we're here, like many of you even this morning, waking up, man, we groan. We ache. Our bodies hurt. We, we sigh, the, the language has. We, we sigh with this expectation of, oh, there's got to be so much more. Life is hard. You know, we want to try to have all this, this sweet season at Christmas time, and it is a sweet season, and it's full of joy as you reflect. But the reality is, the hardships of life keep going on, don't they? And so we groan. Actually, Paul says, You can be sure of this. In this tent, man, the windstorms are going to come up, there's going to leak all over you, and you are going to groan. And it creates in us, I believe, this longing for heaven, which is what we're intended to have. This longing to be fully clothed, fully in our resurrected bodies, in the presence of God, forever. Yet we groan while we're here. Every time you wake up in the morning and your knees hurt and you're like, oh, I just can't move. That's a longing for heaven every time your pants keep shrinking in the laundry, you know? (laughs) It's like, come on, honey. (laughs) Meanwhile, we groan. Longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, verse 2. Verse 3, because when we're clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we're in this tent, we groan and we're burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. It's kind of a strange statement, isn't it? We want to be clothed, unclothed. We don't want to be found naked. It's just a strange statement in the middle of all this. It doesn't fully make sense to us at first. I, I think one of the things that, that was happening as Paul is thinking through what the the Greeks and the Romans were thinking about, and uh, obviously, especially the Greeks in Corinth. But there, there was this thinking that there was this intermediate state of when you died, uh, you, your spirit would leave your body, but would be in this intermediate state. Uh, some call it soul sleep. But it's, it's this time before God comes back, before Jesus comes back, uh, and takes up the earthly bodies, the resurrected bodies, give us resurrected bodies, and, and all that time before we die, and then that happens. And so we're just kind of spirits. Spirits, uh, the thinking was in the presence of God, but spirits, without, without bodies. And so that was some of the thinking that was going on. And actually, uh, there's a fair amount of uh, believers uh, today that have this thinking that there's kind of this intermediate state. I don't totally know what to do with that. I don't know how that's all going to play out. I think uh, I appreciate Ray Stedman's thinking on after we die, which is, you know, we we keep trying to put God in a uh, in a box of time, that He lives in this this time frame. And and we can't we can't do that to God. That for God, when the believer dies, the the uh, Rapture happens. God's taking up his people. Resurrected bodies happening the same time that we die. So whenever we die, it's all kind of the same to him. Same time for him. And so I, I think that, that seems to be true of us trying to understand the character of God. We, don't, we can't put him in a temporal, and we can't put him in a time frame. So there was some thinking that was going on there. But I think what Paul was even touching on a little bit more was that the Greeks and the Romans would say of their bodies, their fleshly bodies, that it's a tomb. My body is a tomb. It's a shackle for me. I hate my body. I don't have anything to do with it. Seneca, who was a Roman Stoic philosopher, he wrote, I am a higher being. I am born for higher things than to be a slave of this body of mine. A shackle that has put this, this boundary on my freedom. In so detestable a habitation dwells my free soul. That was some of the thinking that was going on. The dualistic thinking that was happening with the Greek and the Romans was my actions with my body and what's going on with my spirit are totally separate things. And, and so it's separated, separated out. I appreciate what William Barclay said in his commentary about trying to address this and, and, and understand it wasn't mean to be clothed and unclothed. Because again, it's a little confusing. He says here's what Paul felt he, he saw eternity not as a release into permanent inaction, but as an entry into a body in which service can be completed before God. For all of his yearning for life to come, Paul does not despise this life here. He says he's in good heart. And the reason is that even here and now, and this is something I think is really key, even here and now we possess the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, which is the Erebon, the language for he's the down payment, the deposit. The first installment of this life to come. It is Paul's conviction that already the Christian can enjoy the foretaste of life everlasting. It is given to the Christian to be a citizen of two worlds. And the result is, not that he despises this world, but that he finds it clad with a sheen of glory, which is the reflection of the greater glory that is to come. I think that's right. I think what Paul's saying is, you know what? No, I don't want to just get rid of this body, be free from this shackle. I long to be clothed with my heavenly body. I don't hate this world and all that's in it. God has me here, and I'm filled with His Holy Spirit, so there's life to be had here. But even more so, I long to be with my Savior. I long to have a new body. It's going to be a wonderful new body. Clothed, no longer naked, resurrected. This is his longing. And we all long. We have an ache for a new body. There was an Amish man who uh, was in Pennsylvania with his son, and they took their buggy, their horse and buggy, and they went to the mall in the big city. And they went to the mall, and they were fascinated, not only by all the stuff that was there and all the technology, but they came before These two silver doors, and they they would open and close, and they would go up and down. They would watch these numbers light up. And the son said, Father, what is this? It's amazing. Father said, "I, I don't know, son. I've never seen anything like it. It's unbelievable. And as they're talking about this fascinating thing in front of them, these silver doors, not understanding what an elevator was, this dear, sweet, old woman who was in her wheelchair, she comes in to the elevator. And she rolls in and they watch the silver doors close. And they watch the numbers and they go, they go down. And then the numbers come up. And the doors open up before them, and out walks this beautiful 20-year-old woman. And so the, son, the father says to the son, Son, go get your mother. <laughs> we all long for new bodies. It's not a new wife, a new body. We long for the resurrection body. Corinthians 15:50 says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. What's stronger than death? Here's the promise of the Lord through Paul in this chapter. While we're in this tent, verse four, we groan, we're burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal, look at this, what is stronger than death, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. What's stronger than death? The life of Christ in us, who has victory over that. Life, not death, swallows up the believers. We sit at services all across this land and we we grieve, but it's not death that swallows up a follower of Christ at that moment. Although we ache, at that moment, they are swallowed up by life. We can be certain of it, we can be sure. Corinthians 15:53. The perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when it's been clothed with the imperishable, the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. You know, you've often heard the statement, you can only be certain of two things in this life. Death and taxes, right? It's missing one thing. You can be certain as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a child of God, you can be certain of life. And that's what Paul wants us to know. We live in this earthly tent. It's broken down. It's a mess. It's awful. It's leaky. But we can say, where, O death is your victory? Where, O death is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God... Because he has given us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully for the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. How do we know the Lord's going to do this? How do we know that we're going to have something in eternity? Verse 5, I think, is just awesome. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God. And he has given us, here's the promise, the Holy Spirit as a deposit, as a guarantee of what is to come. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose, he knows these earthly bodies, But He has created for us and fashioned us for this longing and for this renewal of a resurrected body. It's been from the beginning. His whole plan for us to have life eternal with Him. And in the meantime, I give you my Holy Spirit. So that you can have life here on this earth. Even while we groan. Resurrected body to come. The Holy Spirit is just a, a down payment. Imagine what the full payment will be. There's a little girl who was taking a walk with her father in the evening and she looked up at the stars that were magnificent. And she exclaimed, Oh, Daddy, if, if this is the wrong side of heaven and it's so beautiful, what must the right side be like? It's not a tent, I'll tell you that a resurrected body in Christ. Paul's not wanting to get off this planet quickly, but he longs to be with his Savior. Have any of you ever had a long-distance relationship? I was engaged to Kena, and we actually got engaged over in Washington, D.C., and then she had to come back to school. And so I was having a wonderful time of ministry and life in Washington, D.C., but she's in Santa Barbara, all the way across the United States. And the whole time that I was having all this wonderful life here in D.C., I longed to be with Kina, because that's where life was with her. I longed to be with her. That's what Paul's saying. I long to be with the one I absolutely love. I long to have life with him and be in his presence. That's where home is. Home's in the presence of God. Even though we ache and we groan here, I'm not wanting to get off this planet. God's got all kinds of stuff for me in the power of the Holy Spirit. But I long to be with him. So he says, when we live in the new covenant, while we live in the meantime... We can live of good courage. It's not just like, hey, buck up, you know, get over it, be happy, put on a smile. We can live in good strength and good courage because we're filled with courage and joy and love from the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. So while we're in this tent, which we know is not our permanent residence, we can live in a new covenant and the power of the Spirit with the joy of the Lord. And here's the ultimate goal. This is what verse 9 says. And here's our aim. Our aim is that we would please Him. That we would please Him. You see, these bodies, verse 10, these bodies of ours, You know, we try to say they're separate and that our actions don't have any consequence. But He's like, no, no, no. We sang this morning so beautifully. We serve a holy, beautiful God who is a just God who puts down righteous judgment. So while we live in this broken tent, everything that we do with these earthly bodies has eternal significance. And we can't make light of that. There's a reason Jesus came to die on the cross for our sin. And now to live in us and to give us life and to help us live life in him. But our goal, our number one aim... In all of this brokenness, whether here in this body or even one day when we are in our resurrected bodies, our number one aim is to please, to draw near, to worship our Heavenly Father. And that's the question for all of us this morning. Is your life in this broken tent, is your life aimed towards pleasing the Lord? He's given us these bodies. And yeah, they're, they're a mess. But he's given us these bodies to be used to live out his life into this broken world. To glorify our Lord. And cry out, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. I hope you, like me, are tired of camping. But at the same time, let us say, Father, even in this tent, I aim to please you because I love you. And Father, because you first loved me, that's this morning's Advent, right? You loved me. You gave me life through your Son, Jesus Christ. You sent the little babe to grow up and to die on the cross for me. And so thank you, Father, for your love. And so, Father, my life is yours to please you. And so I'm going to go on camping. In your strength. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your life in us. And Lord, even though we, we, we ache and we grow, we long to be in your presence, because things around us are uh, broken, and we need you. But Father, while you have us here in these tents, in these earthly bodies, I pray, Father, that you would minister through us. Father, may we live for you. Would you empower us with your spirit to to live in obedience to you? We long to do that because we love you and because you first loved us, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we have life in you and thank you that we have eternal life in you as we've placed our faith in you. May our lives glorify you, Lord Jesus. We pray in your precious name. Amen.